Tony, tell me a story. So, you know, I thought it was, uh, you know, important to begin at the beginning and, and who I was. You know, for, for 30 years, I was a, a, a self-taught photojournalist. You know, I photographed seven U.S. presidents. Uh, you know, I, I would lecture at uh, universities and, and move to, uh, to the Seattle area so that I could be a, a photo editor for MSN.com, which I was very, very proud of that. But throughout my life, I've been no stranger to, to odd things. Uh, I was once in a motorcycle accident where I tore a hole in my diaphragm muscle. My intestines migrated up around my heart and lungs. But along the way, after uh, MSN ended up uh, giving our jobs to somebody in another country and, and we were out, and it was during that time that I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, what was I was told it was going to be a four-hour operation or it ended up being a 10-hour operation. And uh, along the way, the surgeon mistakenly uh, cut my 11th cranial accessory nerve, and it was permanent. And uh, so I only have partial function of my right arm. I was terrified after that. Uh, I didn't know what to do. And so I listened to a salesman. And with all of my retirement money, I bought an insurance agency. Zero customers. But it was, I felt that was the only way that I was going to, was going to get over uh, being a 57-year-old man who was learning how to be left-armed for the first time in his life because I knew that nobody was going to, to hire me. And when I spoke with an attorney about uh, disability, applying for disability, he told me uh, that it would take more than a year and that I would, be, uh, I would be declined. I was terrified. I live in a very expensive uh, part of the world. And uh, I just didn't know how we were going to make it. So with all my... All my uh, retirement money, I purchased a, an insurance agency. And boy, I tell you what, uh, I did fairly well for a while. But then I realized with the amount of energy that I was putting into it and how I was not taking care of myself, it was not sustainable. You know, on top of uh, forfeiting, you know, my retirement, um, I also went $57,000 in debt. They're just came a day that I said that I had to walk away and I went out and I got a job as an insurance agent working for somebody else for $17 an hour plus commission. Unfortunately, you know, you're always just a little bit short of being able to earn that commission. Again, you know, not really a, a doable thing, but uh, I tried going to a, a better agency. So I went to this better agency and, uh, I ran into more health issues. It was during COVID. I decided to uh, to start working out. I brought two dumbbells together one day while exercising and smashed my thumb. And that injury on my thumb developed into skin cancer. And it led to my thumb, my left thumb's amputation. So I've got partial use of my right arm and, and an amputation on my left hand. And about a year after that, I went in to get a flu shot. And the nurse decided or gave me, it wasn't paying attention and put the, put the needle into my shoulder capsule instead of my deltoid muscle. I was completely unable to use my left arm uh, for two months. And uh, I mean, and when I did use it, I was in excruciating pain. So anyway, I left the insurance business. Uh, I just couldn't take it anymore. I, you know, there, I found out that I, or it felt like it felt like, and then I found out that I was, I was taking care of 
every single customer in the entire agency while everybody else was doing what everybody else does. And, uh, and so one day I kind of flipped out and yelled at the boss and I was out, which was, I think what I wanted to do, <laughs> but so I left and, uh, decided that I was, uh, I was going to return to photography. I studied and became a drone pilot license or licensed to fly a drone. And, uh, Became very good at, at flying, flying the drone. And I got to tell you, that's pretty stressful. I still have the, the license, but I no longer fly um, because I, I'm no longer doing the photography either because there, there came a month where I had five really wonderful assignments within a 10-day period. And after I turned in all of the, the, the photographs, which in my opinion were beautiful, it took me a complete month to recover because all of these things that I've had going on with with my health, they lead to um, severe fatigue and uh, oh, absolute weakness. And my head just, everything swirls around me. Because of the brain tumor, I can only feel part of my right foot. And I got other aches and pains that just would be me whining and crying, but I get what I call swirly. The only cure for it is smoking marijuana and sitting on the couch. That's what I've been doing. But along the way, I've always been had an interest in magic. I was born in Las Vegas. And I remember being a little boy, my mom took me to a company party at the uh, Las Vegas Sun newspaper, where she worked. And there was a magician there. And boy, he was just lighting my brain on fire. And then he did something that he should never have done. He showed us how the how the trick worked. He wasn't really but to a five-year-old, he was showing how the trick worked. And I've spent my life just trying to figure out how that trick worked, trying to go through that. Most people uh, start practicing magic when they're six. I started practicing when I was 60 because I just couldn't find a way in. I've always, you know, I've, I have had little gimmicky tricks that I don't think really count as magic. But at 60, I just said, you know what, I, I want to learn magic. And coincidentally, it was the same day that I lost my thumb. <laughs> On that day, it was my it was my 60th birthday. And then when I was exercising, don't exercise on your birthday. But I had also received a, a very serious magic book. Uh, growing up in Las Vegas, I, I have a friend who went on to become a professional magician. And I asked him to recommend a book for me. And he recommended The Amateur Magician's Handbook by Henry Hay. It was originally published in 1950, and it had been up, updated in 1975, and that's the version I, I've got. I love it because most of the effects that are published in that book are from the, from the century previous to its publishing. So you get some really old school, uh, wonderful magic in there. I say most people, you know, they started six or so and not 60. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it can be, it'd be quite difficult and, you know, it causes you to use your brain and, uh, and remember things and which I think is just kind of a wonderful critical activity for somebody who's my age, who's been through the things that I've, I've been through because I can see a decline. I think that overall, it's just really quite ironic that so late I'm, I'm deciding, deciding to be a magician doing pretty much close up or hand magic with uh, with par partial function of, of one arm and uh, 
while missing a digit on the other hand. I just think it's just kind of funny. And I hope that in just doing that, I hope that it always that will always inspire other people to do other, to, to be their best and not just inspire them, but, but motivate them, you know, motivate them to just say, Hey, I can do that. You know, I think that, uh, you know, magic isn't necessarily about tricks. You know, I think it's, it's a way. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm finding that way. And, and that was a quote by, by a man whose name was uh, Tenkai Yoshida. And, you know, he was, again, he was just somebody who was from the ago from, from magic's ancient history. As I as I do this, and I and I have learned that this necessarily isn't just about tricks. Uh, I've uh, I've hired a professional mentor, Jeff McBride. He's he's a very very world famous magician. He lives in Las Vegas. You can hire him to to teach you magic. You know, from from the very young to somebody who's who's like me. You know, I'm never never going to go anywhere. But, uh, you know, I told him I, I, I can get tricks anywhere. I want, there's just, I can see that there's more to it. And so he started helping me through, teaching me a little bit more on the philosophy, philosophy of magic and, and that journey. And along the way, um, at his magic and mystery school, um, there was a class that I, that I took on immersive theater. And I was just really stoked done by what I was taught. I mean, this isn't just happy red and blue plastic crap. This is like the history of magic, where it comes from. And it's just funny that some people treat it so trivially. But along in this class, they revealed that um, all theater, particularly magic, comes from the, from the days, you know, historic days of the shaman, the medicine men. The women, you know, the people of other cultures and and their shaman or words that they use for it. These were people who were typically some kind of an outcast within their within their society. Yeah, but there's something that was con all of this is just kind of common historically is each of them had taken this giant sleep somehow because of something that some illness or, or whatever that they had. And then they, they come back and they always seem to be changed. And I just, uh, I kind of identify with that story because of the adversity that I've had. When you look at the amount of times that I've, I've had surgery, there have been 12 of them in my life. I think that's a lot. And I think that if you just maybe some were longer, some were shorter, averaging, um, except for one, 11 of those surgeries, you could add, average out to being about 90 minute long surgeries. You know, some were four hours, some were less. But I'll just, anyway, that comes out to, uh, it comes out to, 15 hours and then you add in what i the big sleep as i call it uh the, the black sleep for the brain tumor plus another 10 hours there i've got a whole day missing i kind of identify with these whole shaman thing and they talk about when they when they would go into these these sleeps you know these these dark places you know how they how their bodies were were cut up and disassembled and how these these shaman, you know, in, while in this, when they were in the underworld, uh, they were their bodies were were cut up and scattered about, and it was up to up to these shamans to gather their bodies, and then go to the Lord of that underworld and plead with them uh, for their very lives, and and they would be told that if they could reassemble their bodies, then they could uh, return to to the middle world, and those who were allowed were only allowed 
so that they could deliver a message. And I just think, wow, I just think that's really, I could, I just so identify with that. Just having gone and endured amputations, I've had organs removed. I've had, I've had people stick their fingers inside of my cranium. And, you know, it's like, I just think that there might be some sort of, some, some sort of, of message, something that somebody Gosh, I hope they're young and when they hear it, and I hope they can take it to heart. You know, there's there's that phrase, you know, YOLO, you only live once. Man, that is so true. And I think that everybody should do exactly what it is that they want to do. I'm not talking about some sort of, you know, bungee jumping thrill ride. You know, I'm talking about get off the couch and 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 develop that dream seriously get a dream go do it you know go find a way to find your bliss i don't recommend taking up magic on your 60th birthday it's hard and you'll suck you know but uh but for me magic gives me something to to read about it gives me something to think about it provides an amazing activity that my friends enjoy and you know mad magic gives me something to share I got to tell you right now, I, I'm really, really, really in over my head with something. And I think this is always, this has always been how I like to travel. I wish it weren't the, the way this time. I've only performed publicly three times, two times, once at a party, um, once at a church uh, to about 150 people. I'm uh, I'm a board member of a, of a local chamber of commerce. And so I was asked uh, if I would like to perform magic at the local food festival that's coming up in two and a half weeks. I said, of course, said, yes, I'm going to perform there. Now, I've had four months to prepare. <laughs> and uh, oh, my gosh, I've made a I've made a trunk that is uh, waist high. And uh, I don't know about it's wide enough that it, that it, it will slip through a, a, an open doorway. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty, eh, it's about 36, 38 inches long, long enough that uh, it will fit a, a human being so that you can make somebody appear and disappear. And I'll be, I'll be performing uh, other classics of magic, such as uh, the linking rings, because, you know, the shaman, you know, they can make, they can make steel pass through steel. You know, there's the reasons for that. And, and, you know, the cups and balls. What I love about the cups and balls is the oldest known magic trick or the oldest magic trick that that is in known recorded history, because it's been said there are inscriptions on the pyramids um, regarding magicians. And, and there are cups and balls that are that are in those in, in those carvings. And uh, but what I love about the about that is uh, it embraces all seven forms of magic, which are there's an appearance, there's a disappearance, there's a translocation, which is you're moving something from one place to another. You know, you break a you break a natural law by turning something invisible, and then there's a transformation at the end, which I'll, I won't reveal what that is. But, uh, you know, and, and deep down, it's just like everybody's hoping that, or I'm hoping that somehow through all of this, people are actually transformed and given a sense of wonder. I never want to trick anybody. Never, ever want to trick anybody because nobody wants to be tricked. I'm not a trickster. I'm, I'm a storyteller, you know, and I want to, I want, I want you to walk away with a sense of wonder. 
I want to create a mess, a memory for you so that you actually walk away with something. I'm getting a little uh, misty-eyed there. It's, I'm pretty passionate. This is where I've always wanted to be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm creative. I think that somehow we need to, to find our discomfort zone and learn to live and learn to thrive and, and, and learn to not watch somebody else's dream happen on television. I'm giving everything, giving it my all. And, and as soon as the show's over, I'm looking to, looking to see what I can do next and where I can do it. You know, my life's purpose wasn't to be a photographer like I thought it was. You know, at one point I was also a jet engine mechanic in the military. And so that's, uh, that wasn't it. Um, you know, and I don't even necessarily think that my life's purpose was to be a magician. I do believe that my life's purpose was to be creative. Yeah, I embrace my bliss. And so that, that is my, that is my story. And, and I just really hope that I can inspire others to, to understand that adversity is, uh, it's not a choice, but, you know, I do think that uh, we can take that adversity somehow and turn it into an asset so so that we aren't just living just a miserable life. If you're not a person who's enduring adversity, but just coming home at night and sitting on the couch, you're only living somebody else's dream. So I want to encourage you, get up and just go be a 10-year-old kid. Figure out, what would I do if I were a 10-year-old kid? Go do that. Remember your dream. Go live it.